0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Team Donico, Co. Helping Pets and Their People. It is always a pleasure to hear from our President of the Board of Directors, Marty Casey, and then we always have, or usually have, A guest, an amazing guest, where we learn so much and we learn more about some of the people who have made all of this possible. So I'm excited that we have Marty with us for a few minutes and then we're going to be talking to a guest and I'll let Marty tell you a little bit more about her. But uh, as always, um, I just like to remind people who may not have listened to our, our broadcast before that Team Donico has been helping the uh, pets of homeless and low-income people for years. And I just want you to take a moment and think about when you are on the street, just walking, maybe downtown Seattle, maybe in a neighborhood, and you see a person that looks like they might be an unhoused person, or maybe it's just someone who looks like they may be struggling a little bit, maybe don't have too much to their name. And I know for me, it always crossed my mind what, happens to these animals? How do they care for their animals? Because I know the cost of veterinary care and I have pet insurance too. And I I just always wondered. And so this is one of the answers right here. And it's a wonderful and amazing answer. So um, I'm going to bring on Marty Casey right now who will tell us a little bit about some exciting news that's been going on with Tony Co. And then we'll come back with our guests. So Marty, thank you again, as always, for being here and being a part of our show.
1: And thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. And because as you know, I love to talk about Team Donico, And last time I talked with everyone, we talked about um, an expansion um, that we're increasing access to services for those that need veterinary services and then can't afford to pay for them. We will be expanding our clinic. We are going to be going to a brick and mortar location and we will be seeing animals and their humans for veterinary care about three to four times a week so today i think i mentioned last time that this all started with the incredible generosity of one person who and her story is so moving and she is she's an amazing person and all of this this gift that we're able to give to the city of seattle and to our clients of increased access all because she made a decision probably about nine months ago so i'm going to turn over everything to her she has a wonderful story and um she's the one that has started this whole thing and is making it all possible and i call her dr mona because i i would probably butcher her last name so but i'm so excited you get to talk to dr mona today
2: i'm excited
1: back to you
0: i am excited about that too and um uh, it, it's dr mona redeshwar but i too am going to refer to her as dr mona because then i have a less of a chance of of bungling the last name as well which you know i it's so annoying when people do that. And I certainly don't want to um, uh, be part of that and, and be mispronouncing something. So Dr. Mona is wonderful. Uh, we'll go with that. And what we're going to do is just take a very short break and then come back and talk to Dr. Mona about the journey that led her to where she is now and learn more about her philosophy and what she has done and what she continues to do. So thank you so much. Um, we'll take a very short pause and be right back with Team donny Co, Helping Pets and Their People. And I'm your host, Marilyn Milano. Thank you. Oh, mm-hmm.
3: Donico Pet Clinic provides comprehensive care for the animals of people in need. Funded by donations and powered by volunteers, Donico Pet Clinic keeps overhead to a minimum to ensure healing is at a maximum.
1: Hi, this is Marty. Please help Team Donico make a difference in the lives of pets and their people. Volunteer or donate today. Donico Pet Clinic. Log on to donico.org. That's
0: well, welcome back to Team Donico Helping Pets and Their People. I'm your host, Marilyn Milano. And as uh, Marty Casey alluded to a few minutes ago, we have an amazing guest with us. I think we're going to learn a lot about her story today, and we will be even more amazed. So uh, first of all, a very warm welcome to Dr. Mona. Thank you for taking time to be here.
4: Thank you for having me.
0: Um, Absolutely thrilled to. And um, I just know that our time will go quickly because whenever we're talking about things we're passionate about, it seems like that happens. So um, I think to just get some backstory, um, tell us about how you decided originally to become a veterinarian.
4: Well, so I'm born and raised Seattleite, and I did my undergrad over here at the University of Washington, and there I was drawn to the studies of natural sciences, right, biology, zoology, botany, medicine. And, you know, at the end of my junior year, I was like, I need to know more, and I wanted a profession, so then veterinary school sounded like a dream job, and so I got a job at a veterinary clinic here in Seattle, applied to Washington State University, and was accepted into the class of 2010. That is that's
0: fantastic. So um, and so, then how did you wind up opening the veterinary practice downtown?
4: Well, see, uh, my parents moved into a condo downtown around 2014, I think it was, and then I saw that downtown was becoming a residential neighborhood. Yes, you know, I saw all the luxury condos being built. Everyone's walking around with their dogs, and there were no veterinary clinics down here. So. Um, and then when I was in veterinary school, I did spend some time in New York City at a practice. And so I, I thought, okay, that's the kind of practice I'm going to build here in downtown Seattle, like Manhattan style. And I wanted it to be fancy, like the vision was Medi Pet Spa, you know, so we yes. had both grooming and veterinary services. Yes. And yes. so it opened in 2016 and people started coming. So what did you learn about Seattle? I mean, it must have been different,
0: of course, from, from, you know, having uh, uh, the practice in New York, but what did you learn specifically about Seattle and the people and the pets here?
4: Yeah, so um, like I said, born and raised here. uh, And so definitely uh, this is a city of like artists, you know, and natural beauty with the oceans and the lakes and everyone here like works really hard. And that's just like the culture here. Um, but then over time downtown, I started to see this, this true sadness creep onto our city streets. And then I saw like the glass and concrete offices of one of the richest men in the entire world, like Jeff Bezos. And then across the street, there would be rows of homeless people sleeping in tents. And I'm just like the cognitive dissonance. I was experienced working downtown was so overwhelming. And I just like, couldn't tell if this city was rich or was it poor. And, you know, a city from the Latin civitas means citizenship or community member. So I was like, what what is the city doing for the homeless community or for the small business owners? I mean, I would see down here people shooting heroin into ulcerated leg veins like, all the time. And I'm like, is anyone else seeing this? Like who's in charge here? Right. Um, So that's kind of my impression of the city.
0: (laughs) You know, um, there have been documentaries, you know, the the Como I believe did one called Seattle's Dying. Um, Mm -hmm. And there is, there is a very, um, large gap between one side of Seattle and the other, because as you said, we have some of the richest people here. They buy some of the most expensive homes. They're in uh, high-end tech jobs. And yet, uh, from what I have read, and if my numbers are wrong, then I apologize, but I did see this. I believe we have a homeless population of about 40,000 people in Seattle.
4: Yeah. Staggering.
0: It, It is. It's, and you know, it was never something that we saw before. And to me, it's, it's again, the income inequity and the pricing and so many things. So, and I also understand that on top of experiencing that type of thing, that just the practice of veterinary medicine itself can be extremely stressful. So why is that? And I I've understood that over the pandemic in the last few years, it's become harder and harder.
4: Yeah. So we have the pandemic, we have the increase in pet ownership. Um, and so we just have this overwhelming demand. But besides that, which is relatively new, we just have this, uh, the pet is taking more of a childlike role within the Seattle family. Mm-hmm. And people are expecting kind of this human level medical care for their pets. Mm-hmm. And then if you think about the typical lifespan of a cat or dog, it's approximately one seventh that of a human yeah. So statistically, veterinarians are spending much more time dealing with these end-of-life matters, yes. these incurable diseases that inevitably happen at the end of natural life. Yes. And so just the emotional burden of yes. the client is placed on the veterinarian. This the fear, anxiety, sadness, anger, and it is just so it can be so heavy. And yes. then then add in the, the money component, right? because veterinary practices are businesses. And so we have to put money at the forefront of every medical decision. And so just to be forced to tell someone, I can't help your fur baby because you don't have money. It's just, it's terrible. Um, And so that's why to have a place like the Doni Clinic, a place where Seattle area veterinarians can refer clients with limited financial resources, like it will not only save lives, keep pets with their families, but also alleviate this unnecessary mental stress on the veterinarian by providing these, an alternative care option to those in need, a true lifeline.
0: Yes. And I mean, I, I I've lost nine pets in my adult life and, um, oh, I could get emotional just oh. thinking about it. Sorry. Um, mm-hmm. but I lost the last one in October oh, sorry. and, um, you know, I've got two more here, but I can only imagine that if you're a caring veterinarian with a heart, you know, you're going to feel these things and you see these things every day. And then, like you said, to have to tell someone that you can't help them because the life saving procedure is going to cost $2,000 and they don't even have 200 and no insurance. So um, I understand that this situation being downtown, the stress of the veterinary practice led you to make a life changing decision.
4: Yeah. Um, yeah. Because, you know, I had this, you know, big ambitious dream for my business. You know, I come from a business family. And so this was, like, my my time to make it happen, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but pretty soon after I opened in 2016, like, the problem started. There were just chronic leaks into – water leaks into the space. And then we had the deteriorating security situation on 3rd Ave. Like yes. You know, staff and clients literally like stepping over bodies and sleeping bags to get to the front door. I, mean, I just can't tell you the things I saw, and it was just, it was just. I, I didn't know what to do with the things I saw every day, and and so I knew I would have to move the practice if I wanted a business future downtown. But then I thought about doing a whole other build out and signing another ten-year lease, and I was like, that's not how I want to spend the next chapter of my life. You know, I was. I'm extremely like invested in this city and the homeless population. And I just hate to see it kind of like deteriorate in the way it is. And in regards to all the small businesses leaving the, the people just like the sadness on the streets out here. And I don't see anything coming from city leadership. I am seeing the situation deteriorate. Yes. So I have been lucky in this life to have a loving family, but I know a lot of people in the streets did not have the luxury of growing up to experience what true care and security feels like. And I think that's part of the problem. There's almost like this care epidemic. If you're not producing, if you're not making money, no one cares about you. And it just, it feels like the city's lost it's heart. And that was kind of the problem that I wanted to, to tackle next. Um, so I wanted to do something to beautify the city downtown, something to help the homeless community. And I had volunteered with the Doni Clinic on and off uh, since graduating in 2010. And I thought, what if I gave them a home? So I wrote Don Rolfe, a Donny Clinic board member, and proposed the idea. What if I donated my clinic to the Donny Clinic? And then by donating the space and medical equipment, It could continue to serve the community. And I can feel like the last six years of my life were not a waste, you know, and I could feel like I was actually making a contribution to the city, even if all the other small businesses were closing with the support of the Dhoni Clinic Board of Directors, we're able to keep the lights on on 3rd Ave because small businesses are important to the health of a city.
0: yes. Yes. They are. And you know what you said about the city losing its heart. I can't tell you how many times just in conversations with people I've said, I feel like the city has lost its soul. It used to, as you said, have artists and teachers and shopkeepers. And it just seems like it's become very cold in many ways. Now, of course, I'm speaking in very generic terms. Mm-hmm. So so do I understand correctly that you, have, uh, you are not practicing veterinary medicine anymore, that you have donated all of what you have to Donico?
4: Yes, I am just kind of wrapping it up. April 20th, they are going to take over this space. Now I'm going to take a little time off. Um, I really miss studying, you know, I just haven't had that much opportunity. So I'm going to do a little travel, do a little study, and then maybe, you know, test the waters again and get back into practice. Cause you know, I identify as a healer. It's part of my personality and I don't want to just totally give it up.
0: Well, it sounds like you have a gift for compassion and understanding and it would be a shame to lose you. Um, And yet I know from what you were doing that it is a huge gain for Donnie Cohen for Seattle. And my hope is that we will see you, um, you know, perhaps in another um, kind of a a model, but doing what you love to do and still continuing uh, to help the pets and people of Seattle. Now, Um, What about what are some of the procedures that are going to be possible. I know that you've donated medical equipment and supplies. So what is going to be able to be done that maybe wasn't before. What do you envision happening.
4: Yeah, because when we were when you volunteer with the Doni clinic, uh, you know, you have very limited things that you can do, you know, um, so over the six years, I've collected all of these medical tools and instruments, and I love them so much because medicine is about looking. You, you just have to have the tools to be able to see things. So it's our microscopes and our lights and our magnification. Um, so all of that, plus like anesthesia. So, you know, surgery, dentistry, and then our diagnostic imaging, ultrasound, radiographs, everything that all the tools needed for... You know to provide diagnosis treatment and healing
0: yes yes mm-hmm. and- it's huge. I mean, I have personally been through a number of those things with several of my pets. For some reason, a number of my pets have been high maintenance. We have done uh, echocardiograms mm-hmm. and uh, ultrasounds and X-rays, and you know, and all that stuff adds up. And like like you had mentioned, uh, which I also knew, um, most of the time uh, somebody could come in with their pet. There was a you know illness, something that could be treated, but then they had to be referred out. And mm-hmm. there were many helpful um, veterinary partners in the area, but now the way that I'm understanding it, it sounds like much of this is going to be able to be done right there at the new clinic downtown.
4: Yes. The majority, I would say like 90%. I mean, orthopedic surgery, that's a different level of service, but pretty much 90, 95% of services can be performed here.
0: That's just, that's like nothing short of a, a little miracle really. I mean, and it, it makes me feel so happy, you know, um, I know that many of us look at a situation and we'll see people shooting up in the streets or there's a lot of of, uh, disease and and, um, garbage and we we have this, this cringe kind of response. But on the other hand, these are people, and I remember driving down by Magnolia and there was a man sitting in a wheelchair and he had across his lap a little doggy blanket. He didn't have a dog, but I was just struck that this is a human being. And look at him, he's out here by himself. And I mean, maybe he had a little dog at one time and maybe it wasn't with him anymore, but it is an issue of humanity and I do think that Seattle needs to find its heart again. And I'm I'm hoping our city leaders will have suggestions. I mean, we can't just clean people out and, because then where do they go, right? So we have to take care of the people that are here. And it's so important to be able to take care of their pets because often it's the only companion they have, or maybe or it's the last companion that is living that is a connection to maybe a life they knew before. So um, I know how important my pets are to me. And um, I just think it's wonderful that you saw a way to Leverage, you know, what you had invested in the city um, to continue to invest and make something possible that is going to help so many people. So, um, just kudos to you. Thank you so much. And um, I know it's hard to believe we're getting close to the end of our conversation. So um, we hope you'll come back so we can continue talking with you about your generosity and what it's doing and how things are going. But I just wondered if there were any thoughts that you want to leave with our listeners until we talk again.
4: Yeah, I just want to say like how excited I am for this project. And you know, I'm going to participate in, in some fashion. You know, I just need a little time off. But like, I'm so excited about this. It's a, it's a project that everyone in Seattle can unify behind, mm-hmm. you know, helping pets, helping people, helping veterinarians. And I hope everyone listening um, chooses to donate to the cause or volunteer for the cause or simply spread the word because our city needs this, a physical expression of care for our citizens and pets.
0: Yes, Yes, it does. We need to bring kindness and humanitarianism and caring about others back into our world again. There's just so much disconnection and uh, people that are very self-absorbed or that seem to have lost touch. Maybe they've numbed out, but there's nothing like a pet or a person who needs you and then being able to help them. It, It is one of the best feelings in the whole world. And I would add, if you can't make A big donation like Dr. Mona so generously did, even if you're donating an hour of time a month or $5, it all adds up. And I just try to encourage people, don't be discouraged if you don't have a lot. Give what you have, uh, your time, your talents, uh, a cash donation, it all goes into the pot and it's all for the greater good. And this is going to make... Uh, just continue to make things possible. I've heard many rescues say that a lot of their support comes from people who only give small amounts, but there are many people doing that. So um, again, I think what you have done and what you are doing is, is wonderful. I understand now what Marty meant about one person really making this possible being the catalyst. And uh, I, I just thank you again for what you're doing. I thank you for taking the time to be on the show and, um, It's been a pleasure. And I know we'll talk to you again. We'll want to hear what you're doing and -hmm. what's happening and how the clinic is going and how things are going for you. So I hope you'll come back and join us. My pleasure. All right. Well, we'll take a very short break right here. We've been talking with Dr. Mona, who is a kind of the driving force behind the changes at Donico and how we're going to be able to serve so many more people. We're going to take a very short break and then we're going to be back with another episode of Celebrity Pets featuring Eric Crema where we talk to local or almost local residents and hear about how important their pets are to them and how they've changed their lives. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. I'm Marilyn Milano. This is Team Donico helping pets and their
1: people.
3: Donico Pet Clinic provides comprehensive care for the animals of people in need. Funded by donations and powered by volunteers, Donico Pet Clinic keeps overhead to a minimum to ensure healing is at a maximum.
1: Hi, this is Marty. Please help Team Donico make a difference in the lives of pets and their people. Volunteer or donate today. Donico Pet Clinic. Log on to donico.org. That's D O N E Y C O E org
0: coming up next on the show is a special feature courtesy of your friends at team dony it's celebrity pets with eric crema
5: and welcome to this edition of celebrity pet we are so happy to have with us glenn bowie he's going to tell us a little bit about himself and the animals that are important to him glenn how you doing
2: hey i'm doing pretty good
5: uh, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, why don't you tell our audience a little bit about yourself, and then we'll get right into the pet portion of this interview.
2: Sure, no problem. Well, uh, I started a music career way back when I was in fourth grade, and it's uh, still going on. And uh, I played in some pretty big-name national bands as a guitarist, uh, hired as a sideman, and uh, it's a version of uh, a combination of members of Seven Steppenwolf And we tour at the Born to Be Wild Tour playing all the hits. And uh, so that's what I'm doing currently. And uh, so I've been doing it now uh, for, oh, 54 years. Wow. It's
5: a lot of music and a lot of passion for it. And I know you've played in front of thousands of people. One of the things that's important to you is legislation to help stop cruelty to animals. Talk about that.
2: Yeah, well, I got started in that because uh, my mother was uh, very active in the American Kennel Club. She was a judge and also on the board of directors once upon a time. So I was brought up in that environment. And my father was a professional dog trainer. So, you know, uh, I know a lot about the behavior of canines. And uh, about maybe 15 years ago, I got asked, because of my celebrity status, to help out with some of the things going on. So we put together a group called the American Canine Foundation, and I went out and I got a board of directors together with the most credible people I could. We had a U.S. government scientist, a retired federal agent. We had a good organization and the politicians listened to us. We did have to file some lawsuits to get our point across. And I testified in a case called Bob Stevens versus the United States. It was heard by the United States Supreme Court. It was on animal cruelty, dog fighting. And the First Amendment, Freedom of Speech, and it was my testimony and one other expert, Dr. Brisbane, that the United States Supreme Court used to come up with their decision. And that was one thing we didn't expect, and it put me on the map bigger than I wanted to be, (laughs) but it worked, and it was helpful.
5: And for a good cause, too.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah.
5: big part of this interview is talking about the animals in your life, the pets that you have. Uh, Talk about those. Right.
2: Yeah, and so I, I grew up around Dobermans, Rottweilers, American Football Terriers, and uh, I had the privilege and the honor to own a couple of pure, 100% pure wolves. And uh, that was quite an experience. Um, and now I have some cats. I adopted three little black cats, two females and one male, and uh, that is a really good experience because they're very loving and they're different completely <laughs> than the dog, you know, but, and so I got a Chihuahua and, um, which is quite a change. I'll always have some type of pet, uh, animal, um, and it'll be either dogs or cats until the day I pass away. You know. Um, and you know, having them is good. It's good for the soul. It's good for the mind. It's, uh, therapy. Uh, they can calm you. They feel you. They can. do things that, you know, other humans can't. I highly recommend that if you don't have a dog or a cat, go adopt one.
5: Yeah, for sure. Great advice and awesome words. Glenn, thanks so much for your time today, and just just have a wonderful uh, week and the rest of your path as you walk with these animals in your life. Thank you.
3: Team Donico's Celebrity Pets is supported in part by Jerry and Lois Photography. Where memories and dreams take flight. Learn more at jerryandlois.com.
0: Team DoniCo hopes you enjoyed this Celebrity Pets interview. Be sure to listen for more on our upcoming shows and log on to donico.org to learn ways to help animals in need.
1: Hi, this is Marty. Please help Team DoniCo make a difference in the lives of people and their animals. DoniCo.org. That's D-O-N-E-Y-C-O-E dot org.